and welcome into Heavy Hitters, everybody here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Jack Heim is always joined by Mitchell Smedley. So much to talk about today. NFL, MLB, and a plethora of other subjects. Wow, in between subjects and topics there. Went with subjects. <laughs> We're doing good. Um, but, Mitchie, you, you're fresh. You're ready to go. Ultimate and uh, <laughs> <laughs> You had to say that. <laughs> I was going to say because you did an hour of, of Philly talk that. before this. Why did I hit the unmute? <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> We're here, we're chilling. Mitchie, screw up so right, right before the intro music popped, we got that disclaimer. <laughs> Chris, but since then, it's been just trending downhill. Here we go. This is what happens when I already come on after being on an hour. This is, you know, this is what you get. All right, well, welcome in, everybody. Glad you're choosing to spend yeah. these next couple of hours with us right here on KUR. Welcome um, back if you were here for the for the uh, last hour. Yeah, absolutely. Backlash. So. In full in full uh, semesterly glory, live with, glory. With Not doing Mitchie. a pre-recorded show anymore. With uh, Mitchie and Josh. Yeah, you know, it felt great, like, because, like, I love talking Philly sports, but I was, like, <laughs> the, way I, the way I had it all set up in my in my bedroom over the break, I was, like, like, my TV was, like, right here in my face just because it was so crammed and everything. So I was, like, talking to a wall, and now I'm actually talking to another person, and I, I just love it. So very great to be back in studio. <laughs> Yes, it is. I, I can't really attest to that on your behalf because okay. I wasn't there with you. Yeah, but, yeah, no, um, it was cramped. It was cramped, but I'm sure it's good. I for do you it for the people, it, dude. It was just me, like, and it wasn't even like I could just talk to the wall. I had to scream because you know it was the prime of the Eagles' collapse that I was that I was broadcasting for. So exactly, it was like it was not a calm show. So, but speaking of, if you'd like to go revisit any episodes of Backlash or Heavy Hitters, even. Because I know we've been, uh, we haven't been kind to you, changing up the times so frequently. But we yes. are back in our groove. We got the times all all hammered down. It's Mondays 5 to 7 and Fridays 2 to 4. Be there or, I don't know, that's your prerogative. Uh, but if you did miss one of, our, uh, one of our first few shows this semester, you can find them on Spotify. Just search Kutztown University Radio. And, uh, you know, the list of shows will pop up for you, just for you, no one else. And, um, yeah, you can listen that way. Super simple. Even Jack could do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into an NFL talk. Coaching hires, we have got to get right through a couple to talk about uh, and some other interesting headlines. Uh, and, then of course, it is Super Bowl week, so we'll give you a little bit of Super Bowl talk here today. We're not going to give our full-blown predictions. We'll save that for the Friday show. Yeah, we're going to have right a Super Bowl special. To the Super Bowl show. Yeah, uh, Super Bowl um, game. I don't know why I said show, but yes, that'll be kind of our, our deep dive Super Bowl show for sure. Um, but let's get right into the coaching stuff. We mentioned last show Cliff Kingsbury went to the Raiders, uh, but that is no longer true. He withdrew from the offensive coordinator <laughs> position for the Raiders and now has been hired as the Washington Commanders offensive coordinator. Um, they're trying to fill out their staff there around the new head coach, Dan Quinn. Uh, they're bringing in an experienced coordinator in Kingsbury. Mitch, your thoughts on the hire? Uh, I think it's terrible, and I think it's hilarious. So I don't think he's that good, and I'm excited to see Washington continue to struggle. Ah, I'm so intrigued. I'm so intrigued what they do in the draft now with with Kingsbury. Uh, Coach at USC, has familiarity with Caleb Williams. We'll see if Washington wants to try to trade up for that number one overall draft pick uh, and give up And see the Bears just continue to to profit and profit and profit off of these number one picks. Yeah, and compile draft picks (laughs) and players and... And still like be that. mediocre at best. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm. You know what's weird uh, about the Washington quarterback situation? 
I think we forget that Sam Howell was leading the league in passing yards up through week 10. Yeah, I know. Isn't that weird? And they just want to completely jump ship on this guy I and know. say, we're done. Yeah. So. I'll take him. Funny, funny that Washington is. Put him over Jalen Hurts. Commit to anyone, especially the quarterback. Yeah. It's yeah. a franchise in a little As bit if of everyone, disarray. Can you remember when everyone thought they were going to be okay with new new ownership? Yeah, so far that has not been the case. Yeah, Still early, though. When the Sixers owner is your your big hope, you know you're in some deep trouble. Well, the Sixers at least have been consistently successful. Conti- it's not consistently awful. So, sustained success is what sustained. It's are. sustained failure. It's sustained. I was just talking about, about this at the end of the at the end of backlash. The process has to be one of the greatest sports embarrassments in, in pro sports. I mean, to tell to to just absolutely be terrible for five or six years. And not even have the hope of, of performing well on any given night. And then to compile all these picks and whiff on them so consistently and never make it out of the second round. And then you, you're going to have to blow it up and rebuild again. The process has plateaued. The process has failed even more miserably than anyone could have predicted. It has to be one of the big embarrassments in sports history. Yeah. I, I think that's, I, I mean, right up there with 28-3. to three. I don't know if I put those two in the same tier. They're really bad. No, dude, those aren't even the same stratosphere. Twenty-eight to three was the biggest choke in sports history, and this is the most prolonged period of idiocy we've ever seen ever anywhere. It is. It just is. It's an embarrassment. It's an like twenty-eight to three at least. Okay, that happened over the course of what an hour and a half. Yeah, this has been a decade. And it still haunts the Falcons yes. to this day. I, losing any championship would. The James Bradbury holding haunts fashion. me. I still lay awake at night thinking about it. But in that fashion, to dude, you were dominating for two two full quarters and three quarters of the third quarter. Halftime adjustments. Halftime adjustments <laughs> that set in at the three-minute mark of the third quarter. <laughs> Anyways, let's not get sidetracked. By the All way, right. if you want to if you want to throw your hat in the ring on, on that or any topic, 610-683. 4058. Jack, you're on phone duty today. I am. Um, yeah. Give him some pre- give, give him some reps, folks. 610 683 4058. Would love to take your call. Cliff Kingsbury, though. Is that what we're talking about? What yeah. were we talking about? Yep. yep. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I don't have anything else on Kingsbury. Real quick before the notebook, though. Former Bills offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey hired as the Cleveland Browns' new offensive coordinator. The Bills' offense, while productive under Dorsey's uh, guidance, it was quite inconsistent. That's why the Bills decided to part ways midway through the season. After his departure, they ended up winning six of their next seven games, clinching the two seed, and we all know how their season ended, um, as it usually does at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, But we have our first call today. Yeah, we do. So why don't you get that? In the meantime, I can just re-highlight that uh, in case you missed our Friday show, the Eagles have made a terrible offensive coordinator hire, and uh, his name's Kellen Moore, and he used to be the Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator, and uh, not excited for him whatsoever. All right, we going? who we got on the phone lines, Jack? John from Schnecksville. John, how you doing, man? How we feeling? Hey, Mitchell and Jack, how you guys doing? We're all right. As you guys embark on this discussion around coaches in the NFL, there's a quote came to my mind from Denzel Washington. It says, you'll never start without commitment, and you'll never finish without consistency. And I bring that up to make this particular point, and I'd love for you guys to share your thoughts on this when I'm finished. So if you start looking at teams around the NFL that have been extremely inconsistent with coaches, 
the Jets, the Giants, the Falcons, Chargers, Redskins, Panthers, Bears. I could go on, but I won't. But if you look at those teams, they have one thing in common. They change coaches like people change underwear, and they've been very unsuccessful for a very long period of time. Where, conversely, if you compare and contrast organizations that have kept coaches like the Ravens, the Chiefs, the 49ers, the Bills, the Steelers, these are consistent every year playoff teams for the most part. And I think that consistency and that commitment to, to building something with a person instead of changing every couple of years speaks to something. That's why, Mitch, I'm going to say you need to be a little patient with your Eagles, let them figure out the coordinator situation, I think they'll be fine because you have all the player pieces and, 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 and they're there. So just as you guys discuss coaches, I hope these teams have patience and let these guys build something. Can I ask a Those question, John? Thoughts. Hope Can you I, have an amazing okay. show. Can I ask one question of you? I, think I don't know done. if he can still hear me. I, I think okay. All right, I'll just ask the question to you, Jack. Um, so the Eagles have consistently switched coaches, right? They went from Andy Reid. That was the last consistent coach they had. And they got Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni, uh, each of which lasting no more than three years so far. Nick Sirianni's going to have a fourth. Actually, Peterson had four years. What am I? Or five. Four or five. I forget. But they've had three coaches in the last ten years. Uh, that's not very consistent. That, I know that's a kind of a degree off of what he's talking about, whereas these coaches like Carolina go through like two coaches a year. I know that's a degree off. The Eagles got uh, to the Super Bowl in the second year of the Sirianni administration, and they won the Super Bowl in the second year of the Peterson administration. I don't think it takes long uh, to see results. I don't think you have to stick with something for five years. If you find something that really works, uh, it, it can get there. And I, I really don't think the Sirianni thing is, is at face value because I think it was mostly Steichen and, uh, and uh, Jonathan Gannon, which is crazy, that Every made this thing work. Every coach is surrounded by fantastic coordinators. Right, but... Some really bad coaches are also surrounded by great coordinators, and they win in spite of the awful coach. I think Nick Sirianni is a failed coach, and I think time will prove me so right. Time will prove me so right. It's okay. Um, any other coaching hires you wanted to highlight? Um, uh, No hires. I just have like two little uh, tidbits. Before I do get to there, I want to go back to John's point real quick about sticking it out with a guy. The, the organizations that have been successful – those coaches saw success right away. They didn't have to take time to, to wait for these coaches to grow into their own and, and get successful. Specifically guys like John Harbaugh and, and, and Mike Tomlin with the right. Ravens and Steelers. Those guys, boom, hit the ground running. Right. They hit their stride. They had success right from the jump. And that makes it way easier for an organization to stick with a coach sure. for as long as those guys have been tenured with those respective organizations. Bill Belichick, he had success pretty much right, right away. away with New England. I think uh, Andy Reid at Kansas City is an interesting one. Yeah, that, they I stuck agree. that out for a few years. It, it, they did. But, again, because Reed established himself so successfully right. with Philadelphia, he earned himself that longer leash with Kansas City sure. so he could you know, establish his roots and get the right guys in the building. And, and that's the thing, man. It's just all about hiring the right guy. And you know, If you don't have the right guy, you have to move on. Yeah, and those organizations who have been bouncing around coaches, it's largely on the ownership in the front office for not being able to get the right guy in the building. There are discernible traits with head coaches that certainly lead to success comparatively to others, and it is a failure on the front office and ownership to not get the right guy in the building time in and time out with those organizations like the Falcons, like the Chargers, like the Jets, and and the Giants recently. Totally agree. Uh, Post-Tom Coughlin. You have to find the right guys in the front office so you can fill in the right guys with the coaches. It starts on the top down with those failed organizations. 100% agree. 
Great point, Jack. All right. I do have a message from the KR Notebook, though, first, before we get back into our sports talk, as we do here. Attention, KU community. Want KUR at your event? No problem. Go to www.kutstent.edu forward slash KUR. Find live events slash remotes, read the reminders, and fill out the form. Our promotional director or an eboard member of KUR will reach out to you as soon as possible. An important reminder about events is that KUR needs at least three weeks' notice to even consider your event no exceptions. This message is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. All right, back here, hour number one of heavy hitters, talking all things NFL coaching hires. Wow, we have gotten through a lot in these first 16 minutes. Uh, Thank you to our our caller, John from Schneck. So if you have any thoughts in your mind, dial in at 610-683-4058-610-683-4058, whatever may be on your mind. All right, a couple more tidbits before I want to move on to uh, a light Super Bowl discussion, just bring it up uh, as it is Super Bowl week. We'll get a early surface level conversation on today before we dive deeper on the Friday show. Cowboys are going to meet with coach uh, with former Washington commanders head coach Ron Rivera for their vacant defensive coordinator position. Certainly be an interesting hire with how much coaching experience Rivera has uh, from his time down in Carolina to Washington uh, and much more before those two stops as a head coach. I think it would be a good hire for them, uh, unfortunately, because I, I I would love to see the Cowboys hire some idiot, but uh, Ron Rivera would be good, and he would he would straighten things out down there. He wouldn't get forty eight points hung on him by by Green Bay in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, no, <laughs> I like bringing that up. That's a happy memory for me. It is just dumping on the Cowboys. It's yeah. just like a fun experience for everybody. Just something that everyone can come to a consensus agreement on. Absolutely. Um, one last one before we kind of. Uh, move on a little bit. Le'Veon Bell is eyeing an NFL comeback. <laughs> I saw this. Uh, and has direct interest in playing for only one organization, that being the Pittsburgh Steelers, <laughs> back where his career started. You know what? I'd welcome it back. Oh, um, my goodness. You know, Le'Veon in his prime was fantastic to watch, but those days are long over. Uh, as Way as, over. Because running backs' prime windows last for, I'd say, a max of four to five years. Um, and you're, if, if you're an elite back, Sometimes a yeah. back's prime yeah, is absolutely. one or two seasons. McCaffrey's so, the exception. Yeah, McCaffrey's are, you know, him and Derrick Henry really have been the, the yeah. exceptions. I mean, even Henry has slowed. He has, but he still he could still be a dominant back. You just use him in the right way. I don't Manage think anymore. I think though I think Derrick Henry's done. I think he's, you know, washed up. I, I wouldn't say he's done. He's just not the thirty touch back a game he was before. Right. He's he not that still, he's not in that elite tier. If anymore. you feed him like fifteen to eighteen times a game, he could still be very He's very an okay productive. running back. Yeah. Very productive. So um all right. be on Bell. That would be a sight. That's kind of what I got for, for coaching hires slash okay. interesting players who are, you know, out there because their season isn't fully over yet and yeah. potentially trying to get back in the league. Okay. Um and why don't we why don't we break it off here? Yeah. And then on the other side of the break, we can throw out some surface level Super Bowl talk. And then we're gonna get into you wanna get into some MLB after that. Absolutely. And uh, finish up kind of the discussion we started on Friday. I you, think that sounds like a plan. You betcha, brother. So we will take our first break of hour number one, but don't touch that dial. You're listening to heavy hitters talking all things sports here for the next hour and forty ish minutes. This is the radio voice of Kutztown University. KUR Kutztown. Welcome back on in. Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim. Heavy hitters here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. And you. 610-683-4058. 610-683-4058. Had a good call from John from Schnecksville in the opening block. And uh, we are making our way through some NFL talk. It's Super Bowl week. 
Oh man, it's uh, it's sports Christmas, sports Christmas this week. Yeah, and, and that's uh, where it's going to end. <laughs> it really like sports Christmas with the Super Bowl, and then after that, it's like it's actually a perfect description because you know, like the it's like the, end the, of the drop year. off after after Christmas. You feel it's like yeah. those next couple days after Christmas are like. Eh. I enjoy the reprieve. Like I feel like New Year's is kind of the Daytona 500. I enjoy the Daytona 500. I do. Uh, yes, I think even non NASCAR well fans can enjoy the Daytona. Uh, no, dude, it's pack racing, dude. These guys are going 180 miles an hour, like riding each other's bumpers. Coming around turn four, hey, coming around turn four. Now, dude, you're gonna win a Daytona 500. Oh my god! You know, so. I love, I love NASCAR, man. Especially the pack racing like that. Super speedways are insane. Oh, they're insane. It's spe- all right. I will ask of the, of you this, Jack. Watch the last 10 laps. That's it. All you have to do, 10 laps. It'll probably take mm, 15 minutes at most if there's a caution. Okay. That's all I need from you. Uh, you can watch the replay of it. You can watch it live. I don't care. And uh, What I, is it? What? The Daytona 500. The, it's a it's a race. No, no, no. I know what it is. When? When is it? Oh, wait. I thought you said, what is it? I was no. like, are you insane? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's the Sunday after the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So they just did the Bush Clash. Denny Hamlin won. I can't stand Denny Hamlin. He's so he's like Tom Brady of NASCAR. He just wins and it's so boring. Um yeah, so I'm a Joey Legato. That's the guy. job done. Yeah. Denny Hamlin does. Yeah, he does. Of course you're gonna root for him now, I bet. No, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um so yeah, super excited to be back with you. This is not a NASCAR segment. Believe it or not. <laughs> this is NFL. We're talking Super Bowl Sunday, the Chiefs versus the 49ers. For me, it's uh, Christian McCaffrey versus Andy Reid because I can't stand everyone else involved. Um, Jack, let's let's get a few notes on the game here. We'll break all of this down in depth on the Friday show, but A, because we're interested, and B, because we're filling time. What do you got, Jack? Um, well, report came out today, 49ers, um, multiple members of the organization displeased with their practice conditions at the UNLV practice facility. Um Again, I'm not surprised to see this when I saw that the Chiefs are going to get to practice at Allegiant Stadium and the Niners are going to get to practice Shocking. at uh, UNLV. I could tell that potential issues from the 49ers camp could come out. And again, it's just not surprising to me. It's unbelievable. Um, that, that this is happening like this. So that's just a brief tidbit there. Um, some of the questions I, w- I want to get into today. Um, you know, at this juncture, what, what are our leans in terms of advantages going into the game? Um, and what what are really you know our our brief keys uh, here on Monday? For me, I'm looking at a couple of things. Third downs, obviously, you know, big to get off the field and get third down stops. San Fran does a fantastic job. They they convert on 57 percent of their third down attempts this postseason. Um, but while the Chiefs are allowing their opponents to convert on only 29 percent of third downs, that's going to be huge. You have a good third, really good third down offense, stout third down defense. That's going to be an area I'm watching in this game when when I'm looking at it today. Um, Chiefs defense has been phenomenal all season long, guided through that secondary. 13 points per game allowed for them in the postseason. 49ers 26. That is a big mark to watch. I think this game is going to be played in the 20s. Um, you know, if I had to give my early, early gauge, um, I think this game is going to be played in the 20s between these two teams score-wise. Uh, and then the 49ers rush defense, man. They're, they've allowed 159 rush yards per game this postseason. Second worst uh, of all the teams to play in the postseason 
only head of the Steelers. So Ooh. that's kind of the early key stats I'm looking at this far, Mitch. Yeah, and look, the postseason can be deceiving, right? It's it's two games for the Niners. Three for Kansas City. Three for KC. So it, we're looking at small sample. It's not like the MLB where the postseason lasts a month. Yeah. So by the time you get to the World Series, you've seen like some actual trends. Uh, guys are allowed to have, you know, a game here or there where they're not at their best. Uh, and the, the Niners' defense certainly had some some stats put up against them in the first half of the NFC Championship game. They managed to fight back from that, and I think that's a huge confidence booster going into the going into the game this Sunday. Is that even if they get down, even if Patrick Mahomes leads a nice opening drive or two. They're not out of the football game, right? They don't feel like they have to immediately go toe-for-toe with him with him, because they have a defense themselves that has played very well all season. They have playmakers all around the defense. Uh, I think skill position players are very interesting to watch in this game because San Fran obviously has the advantage in that department. 100%. They even have an equalizer of Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, right? They have maybe the second-best tight end in the league. Uh, a big body that, that can just be a safety valve all over the field, which is interesting because both of these teams understand the value of that and they understand the value of defending against that uh, or or lack thereof. So I think you could see the tight ends sort of maybe not neutralized, but at least understood and, and held relatively in check this game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if And for San Fran, I'm specifically looking at uh, Drake Greenlaw helping out covering Kelsey. Yeah, I'm looking at um, Dre Greenlaw not getting in fights with security guards. So Could be a crucial part of this game. Yeah, Dre Greenlaw going against Kelsey. Um, and, and not against Kelsey. Fred Warner's got to be stout over the middle for, for, for San Fran. These linebackers are going to be huge. But the D-line's got to step up too, man. They yes. have been getting exposed on the ground their first sure. two games. We were talking about this over the break, the run game. Isaiah Pacheco has the ability to kind of be uh, that, that uh, X-factor we always look for in each Super Bowl. Who's going to be the guy... That comes out of nowhere, right? Uh, I know they they talked about it in 2017. I guess technically 2018 when the Eagles won. No one saw Corey Clement coming out of uh, coming out and being a stud, having so many yards and and uh, an insane uh, Clement, uh, uh, an insane Clement. No, an insane touchdown in that game. <laughs> um, you know, Clement was all over the field. He had that huge run, got him down to the four yard line. I believe that set up the Philly special. He had the uh, the touchdown catch of I believe 20 or so yards. Really a great game put together by Clement. And no one he was the third string running back on that team. So really you're always looking for who's that who's that guy we're not talking about. I haven't heard enough buzz around Isaiah Pacheco, and I think you nailed it when you uh when you brought him up, Jack. Very important Kansas City run game. And Pacheco's just a tough runner. You saw it in last year's Super Bowl. Did he light at the box score? No, but he runs hard. Every time you give him the football, he runs like he's got you saw know, it in the AFC championship game. Moving the pile. Yeah. Just he is a tough physical back. He was always got a chip on his shoulder, man. He was a late, late round draft pick. I believe picked in the seventh round, sixth or seventh round, coming out of Rutgers. I mean, the guy was never, you know, prominently in the scope of a lot of NFL franchises, but the Chiefs found kind of a diamond in the rough, if you will. Sure. With, with Pacheco in the late rounds. And he's been huge uh to last year's Super Bowl run and getting back there this year. Uh, a guy you can just give the ball to and get those tough yards when you need him on the ground. And that's huge for a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. When you look at the Chiefs' run this year, man, it's been so contrarian to what they've done in years past. Absolutely. You think of the Chiefs' identity, man. You think of them just airing it out, those big plays through the air, a dynamo of an offense. Yep. And this year's been very, very different. It's been 
pretty much the exact opposite. They've ran through their defense, especially their secondary, with so many key guys back there like Legereus Sneed. Um, you have Trent McDuffie. So many other names back there in that secondary, too. And their linebackers. Drew Tranquil's been huge in the run defense. Nick Bolton as well, helping both in the run and the pass. This Chiefs team has led through their defense. And Patrick Mahomes just does enough on offense to get them the wins because he's reliable. It's always been, we know the Chiefs are going to score, and we know the Chiefs are going to let you score. Can, can Patrick Mahomes just outduel you? And he did for many years in, in almost every circumstance. And now... They've completely flipped it. It's, can Patrick just do enough? Uh, because we know our defense is going to lock them down. And he may not have the weapons that he typically has in, in Tyreek Hill. He still has Kelsey. But he doesn't have, you know, these star-studded receivers that he's had in years past. Can he just can he just do enough? Can Mahomes and Kelsey just do enough to outscore you 17-13 or, or 24-17 in those types of games? Yep. It's a complete flip. And that's what makes them, in my opinion... A true, true dynasty, right? They haven't just been like a... There's teams that have a good run, right? There's teams that have an identity. The Steel Curtain, right? They they were good for years in a row off that one uh, that one identity. And, and teams get named like that, sure. Um, the Chiefs have the potential to be good, I mean, for a long, long time. Because you have a front office that obviously understands there are multiple ways to win can obviously perform well in situational awareness and find the players that would help this specific team. They don't have to fit into one mold that they're trying to constantly recreate. I think that's the the problem the Eagles run into is they have a formula that they believe works and maybe did work, right? Even it, it worked. But it, they keep trying to rebuild it and it leads to these terrible showings every every other year, uh, maybe even more than that. The so, problem with the Eagles is last year their offensive success was just... You can't replicate that year over year. You know why? Because in 2022, the Eagles were given so many man looks. They they were given the most man coverage looks out of any team in the league, and they just burned them because A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith yes. are elite high-caliber receivers who will torch you if you put them in man coverage. Well, what you had with the Eagles was a, an RPO-centered offense, and they didn't use that this year because Nick Sirianni went back to what he called in 2021. He likes to sort of have guys more stationary and have design, more designed plays rather than option plays. And it, did, it doesn't work uh, because Jalen Hurts is not a good reader of the field. And there's a whole, let's not transition into this right now, but there's a whole host of issues why the Eagles offense year to year hasn't worked. Um, they don't use motion. But personnel-wise, right, I'm more thinking grand scheme. I'm more thinking Howie Roseman. Um, trying to build up the offensive line and the defensive line and neglecting linebacker for a decade now, right? Uh, I think the Eagles get stuck in a in a formula of here's when you get a defensive lineman, then you get this guy, then you get this guy over here, and that's just what you do. And it'll build in three years or so to be a Super Bowl team. Whereas the Chiefs, they say, okay, well, we had a wide receiver leave, and there's not one that can immediately fill his void. But we've been investing in a defense, and we're one piece away from having a truly elite defense. Let's go get that piece instead of trying to fill the void of our offense, and we'll see what the offense can do. But we know we're going to have a defense, and that's a way we can win a lot of football games. And I think the Chiefs have done it extremely well. Absolutely. I mean, you look at their skill position group. What would you rank that in the league? Outside, like Kelsey, Kelsey bring Kelsey, Kelsey elevates it, and, oh, yeah. and Pacheco also has been a great find. But the receivers, I mean, they're not Receivers good. are pathetic. I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scanling is their number one. If this were baseball, they'd have negative war. Yeah. Like, 
It's not good. No, it is bad. So, I mean, you got Kelsey, Mahomes, and Pacheco. Is just I, even Edwards Alaire, right? He was seen as like a, a luxury pick. He's oh, they don't even they don't even need him, and he's an insane weapon. He flopped. Oh, he did. He flopped hard, and uh, it, it's really impressive what the Chiefs have done. On the other side of things, though, the 49ers, I don't think we talk about it. I know I forget about it way more than I should. They've had some sustained success as well. A yes, Super Bowl appearance four years ago, lost to these very same Kansas City Chiefs. People aren't talking about enough revenge game opportunity. Um, and they've made three straight NFC championship games. So the 49ers, um, they sort of remind me of the early 2000s Eagles. You know, getting to a lot of championship yep. games, got to a Super Bowl, lost... Can they break through? Because if they break through, this period of sustained success totally changes in people's perception. Yeah. You got, it's you like, got to wow, they were good, man. And the perception around Kyle Shanahan would change, too. I feel like that's something that's not being talked Absolutely. about Absolutely. I mean, he is a fantastic head coach, but the one thing missing from his resume is the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. And he I almost mean, had it in Atlanta. Yeah, was a coordinator on the, on the most famous choke job in sports history. Blew a 10-point fourth quarter lead in the last Super Bowl he yep. played against the Chiefs. This guy's known for blowing big moments when, when exactly. it comes to the Super Bowl. If he wins this one, all, all of that it goes away. Well, 28 to 3 it. stays. Yeah, 28 to 3 stays. Everything else goes away. And I think what you he gets looked at as such an elite coach because he'll have done all this with uh, Garoppolo and Purdy, yeah. right? And, and I think time will reflect more so on my opinion of Brock Purdy. I think even if they win a Super Bowl, people are going to look back and go, wow, do you remember that time Brock Purdy won a Super Bowl? Like, that's going to be the that's gonna be the conversation. Because uh, he has such a great set of skill players. And yeah. I, I think more so people will reflect on Kyle Shanahan. Wow, what an elite coach, Kyle Shanahan. Only if he wins. Oh, yeah. Only if he wins. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, he's a choke artist. If he loses again. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. San Fran's going to have a tough, tough, tough time. Absolutely. So this has to be the year. It's, it has really to does. Be the year. And it might not feel that way now, but I guarantee you, come next season, the outlook on the San Fran team is going to be completely different. They're still going to be very good, but you're only going to have Purdy this cheap for so long. Who's coming off of the? Wh- whose deals are expiring on this team? They Anyone's? just paid Nick Bosa. A paid Bosa. Hargrave got a four-year deal. Ayuk's a free agent. Ayuk, okay. Coming up. That's important. How Debo long is McCaffrey under contract? He, he's only got he's, a year or two more. Yeah, I think he might only have next year I think year it's left. next year. And then he's done. Yeah. So guys are going to, like, we, you always see it with these championship teams, right? Everybody's going to get older, too. Yeah, everyone gets older, and, and that's what that's the Eagles' problem is they ran it back with an old team. Uh, I think the, the Niners have a lot more youth than the Eagles did. Yes, they do. So... But you're going to start to see some guys come off the books, and it's like, oh, remember remember when we had that dream team and came just so close? Um, this has to be the year because you never know what's gonna what you're going to be able to add or, or what you're going to lose in the offseason. San Fran D worries me, though, just going back to this game. Yeah, and they've been so good over the course of the regular season. The defense, though, is the, uh, is the weak link here. They allowed 24 points in a half of football to the Detroit Lions. So, tough one. I think the Chiefs are definitely going to look at that recipe and try to replicate it in some capacity. Absolutely. It's it's a lot of the uh, – what Detroit did effectively in the first half was a lot of um, quick screens with the running backs uh, and, and Jamison Williams. And, uh, yeah, run it down your throat. A lot of uh, a lot of play at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. 
Don't even don't even worry about the secondary. San Fran looked like the second most physical team on the field, and I I would argue maybe both of their playoff games. Uh, who was their first? Green Bay. Green Bay. Oh man, yes. Oh, dude, that's a game they should have lost. Completely erased that from my memory, so, by the way. Yes. And I uh, hate making that argument. Should have lost. But if you look at it, you know they're a couple ways, a couple plays away from being a couple, a round. A couple exit. incorrect calls from the refs away from that game being totally flipped. Totally flipped. Oh, and even in the NFC title game, a couple of you know Lions miscues away from losing that game. Sure. The Lions don't make a couple of Josh mistakes. Reynolds, the interception off the face mask. Yeah. You know the fumble from Jameer Gibbs. Fumble. Yes. There's so, so I mean, many they, points. Yeah. San Fran. And, and I'll tell you right now, Kansas City does not make those errors. No, they don't. I mean, they did, and then they corrected it. They they, they don't gift you games. So if, They stopped doing that after the regular season. Yeah, if there's a team who, you know, is not going to say, here you go, take the Super Bowl out of our hands, it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, and, in all fairness, though, we could look at the, at the Chiefs and say, well... I mean, the Ravens fumbled on the one with Flowers, they did. and uh, but that was know, Lamar had a stupid pick. You know, Lamar didn't have his best game, but also no. you look at the game plan for the Ravens; it wasn't the best of game. Bad plans game either. plan, right? And that's when it comes down to coaching, and you say, "Well, Kyle Shanahan is better, yeah, and, and he should have his guys with a valid game plan to attack the Chiefs." So yeah. I don't think it's as clear cut as people are saying. Chiefs just going to run away with it. Uh, I really think there's a, a, a world where the Niners win this football game. And I'm actually going, you know, I, I'm considering, heavily considering picking them. I want them to win for sure, but so not uh, not really sure who I'm, I'm picking yet. Do you know, or do you want to save that for Friday? I'm going to save it for Friday. I okay. have my team in mind. So Good. I think I, I, I'm actually certain I know who you're picking. Yeah, but I, I think I've made it yep. a little Unle- bit obvious. Unless you have any, uh, any other NFL uh, news, we got our, our second break we're running right up against. Yeah, um, I think we're good. We touched on pretty okay. much everything I wanted to get out of the way baseline sure. early. Just a, a pretty surface-level discussion, I would say. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get way more into this on the Friday show. Remember, Fridays 2 to 4 is our second weekly show. But for now, we still have well over an hour of sports talk to cover on this Monday show. On the other side of the break, going to get into some MLB discussion, National League talking about uh, where we think some teams could wind up this year, what the range of outcomes are uh, for a lot of the others. We talked about our home division here, the NL East. We'll talk about the Central and the West and maybe get into some uh, some way too early playoff discussion for the MLB. That's all coming up on the other side of the break. This is Heavy Hitters. Don't go anywhere. And welcome back to Heavy Hitters here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KOR Kutztown. Jack Hyde, Mitchell Smedley. Did you hear that nice pen click from you? Yes. that was. I heard that. That was That was loud and elegant. I like that. Way to come into break. Thank you. Taking you through our number one, we talked all things NFL, coaching hires, um, interesting potential comeback story, and an early surface-level Super Bowl discussion here on Heavy Hitters. we got to move on, though. We do. We do. Um, I talked about this on Backlash, Jack. By the way, if you're just joining us, Backlash is now officially scheduled for Mondays at 4 each and every week, just before Heavy Hitters. Uh, If you want to hear some Philly-centered sports talk, uh, me and Josh carry it from four to five. But I was talking about this on that show. Uh, I've been in a, a baseball groove for the last four days. Ever since February 1st has hit. It just I feels just like baseball, man. It, it, dude, the weather got a little bit warmer. Uh, like 10 degrees warmer. And I'm like the days, like there's still a tiny bit of daylight outside and it's almost six o'clock. Yep. It's coming back, dude. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Hold on. Channeling it is his inner Phil Collins. There. Yes, dude. By the way, underrated, the uh, Monday Night Football theme this year with uh, Chris Stapleton and Snoop Dogg doing that song, I loved that. I thought it was really good. I thought Chris Stapleton nailed it. 
Anyone who doesn't know, he's an insane vocalist. But um, it feels like baseball season. I spent a plethora of hours. I stayed up till 2 a.m., unfortunately, last night watching and reliving the heartbreak of uh, Philly's playoff memories gone by. And um, I've, been watching, uh, I've been watching some regular season stuff. I've been watching a lot of baseball highlights. Jack, I'm ready for it. I can't wait for it. Where are we starting in our baseball discussion? Well, before we get to our uh, NL Central and NL West ceiling and floors, you have a big signing to talk about oh, that we broke do. earlier today. Oh, yes. The Royals make a, make a historic signing, dishing out the largest contract in franchise history, extending star shortstop Bobby Witt Jr. on an 11-year deal worth $288.8 million. <laughs> but he's played how many years so far, Jack, in the MLB? This Last year was his second year in I the I thought MLB. so. That's like the Phillies doing this for Bryson Stott. <laughs> I think it's a fantastic wow. move for Kansas City, keeping their superstar in town. Yes. This guy finished seventh in AL MVP voting last year. He was only the second shortstop in American League history to have a 30-30 season by age 23, joined by only Alex Rodriguez when he did it with the Mariners back in 1998. This kid is a stud. Second overall pick from the 2019 draft class, Kansas City has their premier bat in town for the next 11 seasons. And, potentially and there's options 14. for 14. Yeah, yes. there's three team options for 14 years. So. Team options, right? So it's it's up to the team if they keep them yeah, for exactly. 14 years. I think, Jack, this could wind – and I think the Bryce Harper one is is – the Bryce Harper contract might be this right now. The Bobby Witt Jr. contract could be the best contract – ever made by a team he could be a player that is you know we talk about how much money Shohei gets right he could be a player that gets 40 million dollars up toward that 45 million depending on how how contracts go and inflation and what have you they're paying him less than 30 million dollars paying him around 25 million dollars a year for for reference I mean that's just a little bit more than what the Phillies are paying Kyle Schwarber. And this guy's way better and way younger than Kyle Schwarber. Yes. Um, I, I really think it could be one of the best contracts ever put forth by a team. Absolutely. And and I think these smaller market teams should do this a lot more when yes. they see a younger guy come up, have a couple of successful years. Give him the big contract. Dish it out. Again, I say this all the time on the behalf of baseball. People always argue that baseball has a salary cap issue. I say that is vehemently false. MLB has an ownership spending money problem. These small market teams are owned by people who are still worth a boatload of money who just don't want to saddle up and spend. You're absolutely it's, it's correct. It's nice to see teams like Kansas City have their ownership spend the money on their star players. You know why baseball is so imbalanced? Yes, when you have a team like the Dodgers who can spend a billion dollars, that's you know kind of an issue. But that's that's bad for the game. I, I will 100% agree with that. But when you have these smaller market owners, saddle up and care about the team. That is what you want to see. And you're seeing it in groups like Baltimore now who had their owners sell it to a couple of private equity billionaires who were you know, worth a yeah. crap ton of money. More yeah. money than both of us will probably ever see in our lives combined. So do they officially take over they uh, officially Steve do. Cohen? Uh, I don't think they are past Steve Cohen in net worth just because Steve Cohen is But there's a bunch monstrous. of them together. Yes. I guess potentially maybe combined they would. I haven't done the math on that. Okay. But all that matters for the Baltimore fan base is that they have a lot of money behind them and definitely care about investing in the team um, with the trade for Corbin Burns and I believe the likely future extension of Corbin Burns to stay in Baltimore. For sure. Um, yeah, the Bobby Witt thing, 
tremendous, tremendous young player, tremendous move by a, a franchise that has been irrelevant since 2016. Yeah, after their World Series win over the Mets, they yeah. completely collapsed. Way to contribute, um, though. So Beating the Mets, always a good thing. We let, love that. Let's take a look at his stats from this past year. Uh, hit 276 with a 495 slug, 814 OPS, 30 home runs, and 49 stolen bases, the first Royal to ever enter into the 30-30 club. He's in the 100th percentile in sprint speed. Um, 100th percent. That's, there's only one person that can be in the 100th percentile, folks. So, yeah. That's, that's it. That's crazy. 90th percentile in range or outs above average as a shortstop wow. with 14. So he's in the upper echelon of defensive shortstops as well. I mean, he really is the five epitome. Tools. Five-tool player. Of a five-tool player. Epitome, dude. Epitome of a five-tool player. That's what it is. Um, Definitely a long-term play for Kansas City. I mean, short-term and long-term. I think the 11 years, you know, throughout his, you know, based on his age is incredible. It's it's not even going to be those back-end years that it's like, oh, well, you know, you're paying for the front. No! He's so young, it doesn't matter. He could still be producing at a high level on the last year of his contract when he's like either 34 or 35. Wow. I mean, this is incredible for the Royals, man. I'm so excited. So So excited to see a a small market team like that compete in years to come. Because you don't shell out just under $300 million and then just sit on your hands. No. You're going to do some more, and I'm excited to see what comes of them. Especially since they're not in our uh, our league. Yeah, that's a nice. They're in the American nice touch. So that is fantastic for yeah, both. Yeah, keep of our Bobby Witt in the AL. I yep. love this move. All right. I love. <laughs> I love Krabby Patties. <laughs> All right, more baseball talk. A couple of moves that happened today as well. The Dodgers continue to stay active. I can't stand them. And steady in the market. I can't either. Oh Man, I goodness, hate the Los Angeles Dodgers with every fiber of my being. They're not even in my division. I just hate this team. Yeah, I, I, I root for, I'm going to root for their downfall. They're going like to win a World others, Series, dude. Like many others will this year. They're going to win a World Series. Mookie Betts coming out and saying, every other team playing us, it's going to be their World Series. Man, you better win the World Series when you say that. You better win the World Series or it is going to come back to haunt you. Considering Mookie Betts, you were a terrible postseason producer. <laughs> you, did, you did a whole lot of nothing in, in last postseason. Where I'm coming from, they call what he did uh, diddly. Yeah. Jack diddly. Squat. Squat. Jack Diddley? Yep. We just call it Diddley Squat. Really? Yeah. So, Is that yeah, a regional thing? Maybe. <laughs> Might be a regional thing. So. Oh, All right. Man. Uh, back to the Dodgers, though. Ryan Brazier returns to the team on a two-year, $9 million deal, finalizing their bullpen, heading into the 2024 campaign. Like, why do you need more? So, Also, speaking of bullpen pieces and teams we don't like, Phil Maton. Yeah, to the Rays. Going to the... Oh, I thought it was Braves. No, to the Rays. I saw Braves. I Rays. saw Atlanta. Fantastic move by the Rays, by the way. I yeah. completely forgot about that. And Thank the re- I, it boggles my mind that the Phillies didn't go after him. It's insane. It's insanity. Um, I, I, I would say reunite the Maton brothers, except you traded Nick to Cleveland? Question mark? Uh, no, Detroit. Detroit, that's it. I knew it was yeah, the He came over in the uh, Gregory Soto, Soto deal. deal. Yep, yep, yep. He went over with Matty V. Matt, yeah, Matt Veerling. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, man. Best nickname I I've love, ever given. I love reminiscing on old MLB trades. <laughs> Me too. It's just so funny. I need something you prove. That was his walk-up song, man. I miss that guy. Oh my god, that's classic, man. Um, last week on the Dodgers front, they trade left-handed pitcher Caleb Ferguson to the Yankees in exchange for Good a couple of Ferguson. pitchers. Left-handed pitcher Matt Gage and right-handed pitcher, pitcher Christian Zazuta, I believe is how you say that, in return to the Dodgers. Ferguson pitched to a 3-4-3 ERA last year in 60 and a third innings. Ferguson adds, adds a second left-handed reliever to the Yankees' bullpen. Before I continue to talk about this trade, though, I do it's time, buddy. have a message from the KR Notebook if I can get this binder open. There we go. There we go, buddy. 
Attention KU students, did you know undergraduate research and creativity gives you many of the resources needed to publish and present your work at regional, national, or international levels? To learn more, please visit www.codestown.edu forward slash UGRC. You can also stay up to date on conferences and publication opportunities by following UGRC on Instagram at UGRC underscore KU. This message of community answers brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Rounding out hour number one of heavy hitters, Jack Heim, Mitchell Smedley. Hey, buddy. Talking all things baseball. We were talking about the Dodgers, a couple of moves they made. Um, talking about Caleb Ferguson going to the Yankees in return to the Dodgers, Matt Gage and Christian Zazuta. Um, Gage is 30 years old. He bounced around from the Blue Jays and the Astros and has pitched to a 1.83 ERA in 19 and two-thirds career big league innings. Dodgers see something in this guy. Maybe he could be one of those depth relievers that you see come up for, you know, couple of innings throughout the year just due to injuries and stuff like that. Always important to have some decent pitching depth uh, in the organization that you can call up from AAA because um, you're going to have to do that at some point throughout the year. Every organization has that Everybody. Happen. No organization stays healthy enough where they're able to use the bullpen for opening day um, all the way to the end of the season. It is, you know, in my opinion, why baseball is the hardest sport to win. It's because absolutely the reason. You, you need more than just the 26 you have in the opening day roster. You probably there's a reason need, there's a 40-man roster. Yeah, you, you probably need... Close to or all of that forty man roster to contribute at some point. Yep. So absolutely. Um, Except Scott Kingery. <laughs> He's still on it. <laughs> oh, it's so funny, man. I um, would rather have him than Johan Rojas. So I don't know about that. No, I would. I would. Uh last part of this deal, Zazuta, only nineteen years old. He spent two seasons in the Dominican Summer League, pitched to a four point four ER four point five four ERA across seventy three innings in twenty starts. That's kind of all I got for trades, free agents, um, all that good stuff, and extensions for superstars. Yeah. Uh, if I'm good, I'm good with moving on to our floors and ceilings here. Um, we will get loosely into it as we are nearing the end of hour number one. Yeah. It's going to take us a large portion through hour number two. Uh, and if time permits, maybe some college basketball talk to round out the show as we continue to draw on some big-time matchups transpired over the weekend there. I would like to talk about some of those if time permits. But, Mitchie, let's get it started. Well, before we transition that, I just want to I, I want to pose a question. Like, okay. what number do we think Blake Snell is asking for? Probably well over the point any organization is willing to give. Well, that's obvious. But, like, what does he think he's worth? I think he's asking for over $200 million. $200 million. That's exactly the number I had in mind. And I don't think— I don't not think, worth it. I don't think any place wants to go over 120 I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, look— Snell is a multiple tie Cy Young, right? But if you look at deep, take a deep dive into his numbers. Snell is a guy who gets himself into a lot of trouble and is able to find a way out of it. You're not going to be able to consistently do that. Very, very, I should say, very few pitchers are able to consistently do that across the course of their career yeah. and not get burned and have bad numbers. If you're walking a lot of guys, more often than not, you're going to get burnt more often than you don't. And for Snell, man, that's the problem with me. Does Snell have great stuff? Of course he does. You don't win two Cy Youngs by having bad stuff on the mound. But the walk numbers are just too high for my liking. It's why I'm so happy the Mets didn't sign Blake Snell. And we're going into an era where batters are taught more and more to take walks. Exactly. It's a more analytically They're more prevalent. They're one of the three era. true outcomes. Exactly. Home so. run, strikeout, walk. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic. I think if a team comes up to that 150 threshold maybe he uh, who would you think is a front runner deal? right now oh man. if you had any i there's, know it's a tough there's question zero buzz about it no one is rumored in on him 
And Jordan Montgomery. I think a likely return to Texas could be a possibility. A Boston would make all the sense in the world for Montgomery. I mean, he lives in Boston in the offseason. I don't get what the Red Sox are doing. They are a nightmare of an organization. Knowing the right Braves, now. they'll sign one of them. Thank God I'm not a Red Sox fan right yeah, now. Because yeah. Because they spent be. no money, and it seems the ownership has given up completely on the team. I would be irate if I'm a Red Sox fan. I don't care that I've seen four World Series since 2000. Yes. Has that been phenomenal? Yeah. Absolutely. But we live in 2024. Um, it's all about winning championships. And they don't even have the most. They don't even have the most championships in that span in Boston. No, <laughs> it's the Patriots. So I mean, that's got to be awful, right? Like that's got to be like middle child syndrome, right? Where your big brother and the Patriots is like you win four titles and your big brother's just like, yeah, I got, I six. got six, buddy. So, sit down. Yeah, quiet down, pipe down. When you win one or two more, then you can join me at the big kid table. How many so. did the Celtics got? Um, two, I think. Two and the Bruins, one. Wow, 2011. Gotcha. So. Um, yeah, yeah I, so here's a, here's a thing. Speaking of Boston and ex, you know, Dave Dombrowski has his roots in Boston. Yes, he does. But um, it's a foothold in Miami too. Can this? Could this be Dave Dombrowski's like his his Dombrowski moment that he just he has these crazy things that always go on. He the Phillies have not only been rumored not in on Blake Snell, like out, like actually out on Blake Snell. And it just seems like they've been too quiet for too long, and there's no buzz around any of this. I I feel like Dombrowski's had a couple bad trade deadlines, and he's shown he wants to add the big free agents. Could this be a, a situation where he's he's kind of you know deking us out a little bit? I don't know. It is late. It is late. Really late. I mean, we are just over two weeks out from spring training. Pitchers and catchers report. A week from Wednesday. It wouldn't be the latest signing anyone's it ever It wouldn't made. be the latest, but, I mean, before you get all the, the stuff done and get the guy, you know, acclimated, we've, we've seen later signings before. Sure. But, man, with Especially how, for a pitcher, that would be interesting. With how late it, we are into the process and how little has come out on the Phillies' front on, on any pitcher. Anything. Staff, I mean, yeah, man, they have probably been one of the most dormant teams in the offseason. Yeah, that's why I'm just where is there something cooking under Have that? Have they signed anybody surface? to the major league roster outside of Nola coming back? Uh, I don't think was so. Allard, too, Allard was Allard was. Is he a minor league? I think he could have been a minor leaguer. I'm minor league deal. I'm not sure. No, I I don't know that they have. I don't think they have. So it's, it's weird. Weird, right? Like Dombrowski, you get to the NLCS and you don't add anything. It's not even that. It's Dombrowski's mo has always been aggressive, 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 really aggressive. And you have Overly pieces in the farm system to even make a trade if you wanted. to. And that's his mo, man. Wh- wherever he's been, he that, has that was the Soto move. Hemorrhage. Everyone's like, system. that's so smart. He's hemorrhaged the farm system. Exactly. Everywhere he's been, and now the Phillies are developing a farm system where it's like, yeah, you could have supplemental pieces here. So, but it's like. Why are we not doing anything? Anyways, that's my... Honestly, you know what? I think it might make sense to hold off on pitching with how much is coming through the system, though. Um, I'm not sure that Abel and McGarry are going to be the contributors we thought they were. No, they, but they don't even need to be high-end guys. I, I don't even think they'll end up being starters, especially McGarry. Really? McGarry's going to be a bullpen piece. Abel would. Abel will be a low-end starter. I think he could be anywhere from a three to a five. Abel will replace Christopher Sanchez, thank goodness, because Sanchez does not contribute anything to this team. He uh, was underwhelmingly no, good last he year. He is the new Bailey Falter. No, he's yes. Than Bailey remember Falter. how we said Bailey Falter keeps getting better. He's becoming a contributor, good uh, five starter, whatever. Except, except Sanchez actually had a good year last year. Pitched to right around a middle three ERA. That is way better than Bailey Falter ever was. No, Falter had decent years, and then it all fell apart. But um, 
We're nearing the end of the hour. We are nearing the end of the hour. I think this... I, I just feel like I'm I'm praying. You feel empty. I feel like there's a move left in the chamber. It, it can't... It can't be absolutely nothing. It can't right? possibly end like this. <laughs> You're telling me a team just happens to add nothing like that. <laughs> no! He orchestrated it. Dave! So... Um, I don't know. In hour number two, we will finally get to that uh, that ceilings and floors discussion we teased. Uh, we'll pick up on that from last week. And yep. we will likely get into some other topics, probably including some college hoops. And uh, we'll touch on a couple other things. Hold other hour sports talk coming your way. This is KUR Heavy Hitters. Welcome back in. It's hour number two. Subacolic at the best hour of Heavy Hitters. Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim. In with you once again. Whoops. You're good. Cool Jazz Weekly. That'll come up soon. When is that? <laughs> when is Cool Jazz Weekly? <laughs> we'll find out. The yeah, we mark. will find out. Uh, yeah, we're talking all things MLB. We talked, uh, you know, the the slowly simmering stove. Um, what's a better apply? It's more of like a, a low powered air fryer. Yeah. So far this uh, this off season. Or a high-powered toaster oven, possibly. Me, uh, it's not even toaster oven. Like, if you leave your toast in the oven a little bit too long, you know, it gets burnt. Yeah, it gets burnt. You know, and then the whole the whole house smells like burnt toast. It's not like burning. And it's like that's that's the type of vibe you get if you leave your toast in the toaster oven too long. Yeah, exactly. So you're like your panicked mother. Yeah, like, no. You know what? You know what? This off season, it's a crock pot. Crock pot. Yeah. <laughs> Got to leave it in there forever, and it takes a million years and. I actually do have an cooks. NFL tidbit. Really? Um, Giants hire former Titans defensive coordinator Shane Bowen for the same role. So he will relieve Wink Martindale as the new Giants defensive coordinator for the upcoming season. Wow. Um, interesting. Um, I kind of like the hire. I do. Um, you know, we're worked with Mike Vrabel. I really like I'm so surprised he didn't get a job anywhere. I thought he was a really good coach. He just did not have a lot to work with in Tennessee. Yeah. The barbershop so. I go to is named Bowen's. Ah, there yeah. you go. That's not where I got this uh, this fade, though. Nah, Mitchie fades over here. Nah, Mitchie with a high taper fade. <laughs> you need a low taper fade. Or is it, maybe this is a low taper fade. I don't know what it is. I think it was attempting to be a low taper fade, and then it became a high taper fade. So I need to go back to my normal. What, what would you call my normal hairstyle? Just a part? I guess, yeah. yeah I do a four on the sides and scissors on top. So That's what I do. I, I don't go to a barber. Really? So, yeah. How do you get your hair? Well, you don't get your hair cut. I mean, I get trims. I get hair trims. When, but, do, you, uh, when do you get those? Uh, my often? mom actually cuts my hair. Really? So, my yeah. mom used to cut our hair. So, And then she, you know, didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love the barbershop I go to. The uh, the cool thing is, like, I don't know. They're all, like, uh, not all of them. You know, obviously no one all, not all of one group is ever one thing. But a lot of the uh, a lot of the guys over there are, like, Russian and, like, Russian-speaking. And uh, they have really, I love the Russian accent, you know, like they're bilingual, like a lot of them speak Russian and English. And when they talk English, it's like, I don't know, the Russian accent's so rugged. I like it. Yes. So you want foreign sites. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do top. the scissors on top. Scissors on top. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I got lectured by this one guy who's actually in the Dunkin' Donuts next door. And uh, I asked him where he was from. He goes, I am Macedonian. <laughs> He said it like real drawn out each. He said it like three times. And me and my girlfriend at the time were standing like, okay. No, no, no. Macedonian. I go, okay. I'm it sorry. sounds like something Dr. Doofenshmirtz would say. 
when I'm Macedonian. <laughs> I think I just nailed that, by the way. That was like the first time you've ever done that impression actually good. And, and like, I, I know that's like kind of comes across as like a backhanded compliment. It's so true. But though. it is true. It is true. <laughs> You, know, you 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 have your impressions that you can nail, and that one you've never nailed. I've never been good at it. So congratulations. <laughs> um, but I say we I put say this we off finally get into our topic. Let's do it. NL Central ceilings and floors for the 2024 season. We're gonna go from the bottom to the top in the NL Central. Then we'll go from top to bottom in the NL West. Um, let's start here with the St. Louis Cardinals. Key offseason move, they finished in the basement of the NL Central, surprisingly, in 2020. Yeah, that was a shock. Um, with 71 wins. Key offseason moves, Lance Lynn comes back on a one-year deal, starting pitcher. Kyle Gibson comes in on a one-year deal. And their big splash, Sonny Gray, on a three-year deal coming into St. Louis. Really did a nice job of adding to this starting rotation. Gave them a lot higher of a ceiling for this positional group heading into 2024. And D.H. Matt Carpenter. Comes back. Very familiar with the Cardinal organization. Spent his best career days, I would say, with St. Louis. Uh, now at the tail end of his career, back with the Redbirds uh, in St. Louis. Mitchie, what are your thoughts on the Cardinals? How low could they finish in 2024? And what do you think their height is? Well, they're going to pitch much better. And I don't think they're going to hit much better. You said that so much like Trump. I didn't yeah. even try to. Uh... <laughs> They're going to pitch much better. But when you think about it, a lot of people are, a lot of people are saying they're going to pitch so good. Believe me, some of the best pitchers, nobody pitches like St. Louis. Uh, by the way, off topic, but I don't think St. Louis should be called baseball heaven. I don't know why. Wait, that's called that? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. You didn't Whoa. know Whoa. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Uh, yeah, no, I think the... I think the Cardinals are def. I think their floor is definitely a couple games higher than they finished this year. I think this year was a worst case scenario, and I think the worst case scenario for next year is definitely improved. Uh, give me seventy three for their floor. Okay. What are you feeling on that? I got the floor at seventy eight. I think it's wow. You think it's a, than you last think year. it's a market increase? I, for this I think team. I think that you're all in on the bounce back. I think you're right that everything that could have went wrong did go wrong last year, and I don't think it's going that way again. I think these pitchers combined to give them around five to seven more wins, and I'm going to be generous to the floor. I was anywhere between seventy six to seventy eight. I was a little generous. I said seventy eight with okay. the floor. I like these pitchers. My ceiling, I got them at 86 wins. I don't think they're good enough to be able to win this division, but I think if everything goes right, they're able to be right there uh, to contend for the top spot in the Central. I also had my ceiling at 86 for this team. I think the range of outcomes is very wide for this team. 15 or so games. I had it at 13 with my specific numbers. It uh, does feel like a volatile group. It's a very volatile group, right? If a couple of these hitters string it together for a few weeks or even a month or two, right, that definitely... Starts to have the win column tick upward. Uh, it's a really interesting group. It's a it's a group that fell apart last year, and you know maybe we've you know we're a year removed from them being a ninety win baseball team. So I think it definitely re- I think our numbers definitely reflect a volatile group. But I do think they they still risk finishing those low to mid seventies in the win column. But they could definitely sneak into the mid to upper eighties in the win column uh, if they. Uh, if they really, you know, find a way to put some of this uh, this hitting together, they still have playmakers. They Goldschmidt's do. Goldschmidt's still on the team. Nolan Arenado. Arenado's still there. 
And um, yeah, I, I, there's there's pieces here that could still be impact bats. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, before we get back into it, though, we do have a message from the KOR Notebook. Attention KU seniors, if you are set to graduate this spring 2024 and have the potential to complete 120 credits by the end of the semester, then make sure to apply for graduation. The deadline to apply is February 9th, 2024, and only students who apply by the deadline can be assured that their names will appear in the commencement program. If you still need to apply, log into MyKU, select KU Academic Services, and click on the link that says Apply for Graduation. It is a fast and easy process. Any questions regarding graduation eligibility or the application process, contact Devin Weidenhammer at Weidenha at Kutztown.edu. That's W-E-I-D-E-N-H-A at Kutztown.edu or dial 610-683-4479. This message of community interest is brought to you by the Radio Voice of Good Sandy University, KUR. All right, back here, hour number two of Heavy Hitters. We're going all things NL Central, giving our ceilings and floors for these teams in the 2024 season. Started off with the bottom dwellers of 2023, the St. Louis Cardinals. We both said right around, I had the high 70s as their floor. Mitch had the low 70s. We both had 86 wins as the ceiling. Let's move on to the fourth place team from a year ago, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Key offseason moves for them. Rowdy Telez coming in on a one-year deal from the Brew Crew. Or all this Chapman, uh, a World Series champion from a year ago, split with the um, the Royals and the Rangers last year. One-year deal to the Buccos and Marco Gonzalez on a three-way te- uh, three-team trade um, coming over from technically Atlanta, but was with Seattle. Um, so those are their three most notable moves in the offseason. I have the floor for the Pirates at 73 wins. Um, a young, improving lineup. Uh, I like Jack Sawinski. Brian Reynolds is here. Andrew McCutcheon coming back on a one-year deal. Sneaky move. I think Rowdy Telez kind of takes the role that Carlos Santana had with this team last year. Not a great first baseman defensively, but he can swing the bat uh, and slug some home runs for them. Um, again, I, I think this is an ever-improving group. Mitch Keller is, is a nice starting pitcher for this team. Um, and, and Chapman does a nice job towards the back end of that bullpen, being a nice eighth-inning guy along with David Bednar. I, I like that one-two punch if Chapman can dial it in and figure it out. He's still got that top-end velo. Um, but I think the floor 73 wins. Mitch, what do you got the floor for the Pittsburgh Pirates? I got, uh, you risk some regression. Uh, it's still a young group, and I don't think they added particularly a lot of talent. Uh, I think if everything goes wrong, I think this team still risks being down around 70 wins. Okay. Okay, and, and what's what's your ceiling for this group? Um, ooh, that's an interesting question. 76 wins from a year ago. It, it was there enough? Yeah, I, I think 80. I think 81 is fair. I think 500 would be the ceiling for this this Pirates team. I'm not particularly high on them. Like you mentioned, a couple good pieces here and there, Keller, um, and, and some of those bats that you mentioned. But I'm not all impressed, uh, all that impressed with this team. I think there's still a long way to go in this rebuild. Give me 81 as their absolute ceiling. I got... Their absolute ceiling at 82. I think it would be a similar type of year to the Reds from last year. Uh, a group, you know, different different type of way to 82 wins than the Reds from I a year ago. I think the Reds were way better than this group. Yes, but like, it, you know, you can get to 82 wins a different type of way. Sure. And, and I think that could be the highest possible scenario for the Pirates um, in 2024. They would just have to get some, you know... Get a little bit lucky. Kind of kind of do what the Marlins did last year, right? Yeah. Like, like just wheel and deal their way to win a lot of close games. and, and well, The Marlins had some sick pitching. They did, but they also won a lot of close games. And yeah. Yeah, it's like the, uh, who was the team that did that in 22? Was it the Orioles? Um, I think it was the Orioles. The Mets won a lot of close games. Well, the Mets are awful. That's enough out of you. I hate them. 
I hate the Phillies yeah. equally as much. But you're wrong in that opinion. So, so uh, yeah, I don't want to waste too much time on the on the lowly Pirates. Um, moving up. Love PNC Park. Always have a spot spot, soft spot for the Bucks. So raise the Jolly Roger. So oh my God, man, <laughs> cringe. Great place to see a game. Cringe. So I do have an Andrew McCutcheon shirt actually. I wanted one when he played for the Phillies because he was number twenty-two, so, and yeah. that's my favorite number. Yeah, I got a uh, ten-dollar Pirates shirt that's nice. Andrew McCutcheon on it, twenty-two McCutcheon. Kind of like they're old. I don't know if you know what the old Pirates. No, stuff I'm not. Is. I'm not well versed so. on Pirates uniforms. All right, let's move on. Reds finished third, I believe, uh, or maybe did they finish? Yes, they did. Did finish third. I was just torn between them and the Cubs. They were yeah. separated by a game. Yeah. So Reds finished in third. Their key offseason moves, infielder Jamer Candelario, relief pitcher Nick Martinez, relief pitcher Brent Sutter, uh, and Frankie Montas as well coming over. I think the Reds did a really nice job shoring up this roster. Yes. Um, with I love that these bullpen. peripheral moves. You yes. Know? Adding those savvy vets um, in the bullpen with Sutter and Martinez. Especially because you have such a, a young group that's developing. Exactly. And then Jamer Candelario is a really nice addition into this lineup. Just a steady veteran bat. He's, his numbers aren't going to pop, but he's that reassuring presence that you can sure. set set in your lineup and be a nice you know piece around these younger guys. He's like Mark Kenna. If everything goes wrong, floor 77 wins. My ceiling is at 90 for wow. the Cincinnati Reds. Wow. Is that higher than your – what was your Philly ceiling? Mm. I think I said 91 or 92. Wow. wow. The Reds can pop like that, man. They really, really can. The Reds are not the Phillies. Uh, no, I like the 77 floor. I like the 77 floor. I do like that. Give me the ceiling. Ooh. I think I was much higher on the Phillies ceiling. I think I had like the ceiling around 96. Yeah. Which insane. feels better. That's not insane. That's crazy. That is not crazy. Four wins. I am not crazy. Four wins. You think they're a four less than a hundred win team? Sure. That's crazy, dude. They're in the NL. They got a lot of That's crazy, man. these teams that they can mow through. Uh, not, but these teams aren't that bad. They're not yeah, they're good. Not, they're not, they're not good, bad. but they're not like, oh my God, they're just pushovers. Yeah. There's nobody in this division who's a pushover. Even the Pirates. I think the Pirates are pretty much a pushover. I don't think so. I don't think so. And they also have a bunch year. of games against Washington, and Washington's a pushover. Pirates weren't a pushover last year. Uh, I don't know about that one, but what did Anyways, you guys go against them? What? What did you guys go against them? Four think, and three. I th- I forget what we went. I know we went two and one in the weekend series in July. I think you dropped the series to them. So you, yeah. I don't know, but. What are we talking? The Reds. Yeah. <laughs> the Reds. I love the young players on this team. Matt McClain. Knew that was going to be your first one. <laughs> He's the best. He's the best player on you the Reds. You should get a Matt McClain shirt, man. I I this is my guy. All right. If he turns out to be like on the start of all studs. I know I'm just saying we all have that one player. Like, I really like Matt McClain. He's not talked about enough. Because uh Ellie. Yeah. De la Cruz. He gets all the hype, and it annoys me. It's a psycho for Ellie De La Cruz. I that can't stand cool. the Reds announcer. Nah, dude, he's cool. No, no, he's annoying. Him and the Horn. You know the Hornets announcer. I miss the old Reds announcer. I, you, you, you love um, Tom Brenneman. So. <laughs> and it's a touchdown, Philadelphia. I think he was better at football. He was so good at football. And a flip into the end zone by Jerome Simpson. That was a great call. So, uh, But anyways, Reds, love the young core. Love that they stabilize things with a veteran presence on the peripheral of the roster. Uh, I really think the ceiling for this team is high. Give me 91. Okay. 
But you got a young core like that, so it's volatile. Exactly. That's why I have them 13 wins apart from the floor and ceiling. Yeah. I think I think I you know with the Cardinals, why I had them so closer is just because there's a lot of experienced players in that group. Sure. So um, let's move on. Cubs finished second a year ago. I think they're only primed to get better. Um, they added Hector Neris and Yancy Almonte <laughs> in the bullpen. Hector uh, Neris signed, as a Cub doesn't make sense. Signed uh, Japanese pitcher Shota Iminaga. Uh, and added third baseman Michael Bush, who is a top 40 prospect from the Dodgers in a trade. Um, he might start the year in AAA, but is a solid addition. I, I think could be an impact at some point this year. And they are still exploring the possibility of re-signing Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Um, so, you know, his absence did factor into my floor and ceiling. Floor, 76 wins. That's if every single thing goes wrong. My ceiling is at 88 for the Cubs. Wow, 88. I got 75 and 86 for my floor and ceiling, respectively. I don't I don't know. I don't feel... I think that bullpen could give them some added wins from last year. I like the bullpen. I'm not sure on the lineup. Uh, I don't know. I don't feel the needle moving very much for this team. I think the bullpen could be improved, but yeah, I don't how old is Hector Naris now? Uh, up over 30. Yeah. It's only a one-year deal. Yeah, I know. He's so. getting up there, though. I know. It might be a two-year. I don't know. No, no, no. I think it is only one. So, so interesting team though. Uh, I, they're interesting moves. And I like the ceiling Cubs. Ceiling is moves. if everything goes right, you know. Yeah, yeah, everything goes right. Like, like five See more it. than last year is not outlandish. Yeah. What did they get? Eighty three. Okay. Yeah, I'll nudge it to eighty seven. So I'll nudge to eighty seven. But that is going to take us to our first break of our number one. On the other side, we will finish out the Central with the Brew Crew and jump into the NL West. Before getting into a few other topics to close out the show, you're listening to the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR's Heavy Hitters. Keep it here. And welcome back to Heavy Hitters, everybody here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Jack Heim, Mitchell Smedley rolling through hour number two, talking all things MLB, given our ceilings and floors. For all the teams in the National League Central, we left off talking about the Cubs, wrapping up that discussion, and moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers to round out the NL Central, the Brew Crew. Their key offseason moves, they brought back starting pitcher Wade Miley, added Reese Hoskins as a DH slash first base option. so sad. On a two-year deal and acquired D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz from the Orioles in the Corbin Burns trade. That means they also lost Corbin Burns, yes, by the way. Um, if you could if not deduce that. track. If you don't understand, that's a what, major headline. Like you, that's big. If you don't understand what a trade is, um, that well, you means, didn't highlight. That's like passive voice for a trade. It's like why are you talking about those guys? They lost Corbin Burns. Yeah, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> said said someone on this show before. <laughs> Can't think of what type of doofus would say that. Uh, yeah, Orioles added their ace. Big loss in Corbin Burns for sure. Yeah, you, you Orioles add uh, you Darvish. You can't undersell that. Um, yes. Losing the ace of your starting rotation. Uh, the Brewers are, I think, in a world of hurting on the pitching side. Especially I would agree. Starting. I would agree. Especially starting. Um, I think they're in a world of hurting in a lot of areas. My floor for this team, I had it at a number, but I might drop it lower. You had it at a number. That's so shocking. Well, we had it at, at a, a number. At a number that higher than I'm comfortable with. Come right with now. me now. I'll start this trend. 72. I'm going to go 76. Wow. 76 wins. What did you have in it? 78. Wow. Come to the basement with me. They just find ways to win, man. Nope. Not this year. Not this year. 76 with the wins for the floor. I have their ceiling at 86. I think the lineup can really do wonders for this team. Christian Yelich, 
Reese Hoskins adds a fantastic power element. I mean, that you're adding 27 to 30-plus home runs into your lineup. Thanks. You know, and playing at a ballpark like American Family Field for 80 games a year, that can certainly boost your power numbers. Um, Reese could certainly be a big-time, big-time player for this Brew crew. If they decide to keep, you know, Willie Adamas in town, um, he's a nice part of this lineup. Plus the young talent, Sal Freelich, Garrett Mitchell, Bryce Terang. I think this lineup has a chance to be really, really good. And they lost just, Taylor, it, right? It, yeah, they did. They lost Tyron Taylor, Ben Chapfielder, to the Mets. Yep. Um, but, yeah, man, um, I need to pull up what their starting rotation is going to look like heading into 2024. It's not going to be good. Because they lost three pitchers from last year. So, let, let me see this. Well, this is loading, and it loaded right away. Could they be a, a candidate for Montgomery? <laughs> oh, my God, this is horrible. <laughs> Freddie Peralta is now the ace of this team. Oh! Um, Wade Miley is their second starter. Colin Rea is their third starter. Uh, Joe Ross is number four, and D.L. Hall is number five. Wow. At least the bullpen's still good. I mean, they still have a really good bullpen. But, man, oh, man. Can they get enough out of the starters? The problem is when you don't have good starters, it taxes the bullpen, and the bullpen crumbles. But here this lineup. This is a good lineup. Christian Yelich, William Contreras, Sal Freelich. Reese Hoskins, Ooh. Willie Adamas, Garrett Mitchell, Jackson Chuoria, who is the second-ranked prospect in all of baseball, is their starting center fielder this year. By the way, they signed into an eight-year deal before he even played a major league game. Um, Bryce Terang at second, and Joey Ortiz at third. Lot of young, lot of young potential in this lineup. Yeah, but young potential is volatile. It's volatile, yes. And and you want to talk about volatile? Reese Hoskins is the epitome of volatile. Yeah, but he can consistently slug. You know, the strikeout numbers. He can for a month, and then he'll go into a huge cold streak for a month. We also haven't seen Reese Hoskins outside of Philadelphia. Some guys He's don't adjust well. He's going into a more hitter-friendly park. Yeah, but some guys don't adjust well to new places. So, we'll see. I think is Nick Mitchell Castellanos. Smed- is Mitchell Smedley rooting for Reese Hoskins' downfall? No! No! I'm rooting for him to succeed. <laughs> oh, he is. Well, actually, what I'm rooting for is that he is terrible. Hoskins! Then- it's a slam! Off of Zach Wheeler! <laughs> I'd cry. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm hoping Hoskins sucks enough that um, the Brewers are out of contention by the trade deadline and they trade Reese back to He's Philly. He's not coming back. I don't understand he might. why you think that's he a possibility. might. It's over. You have to accept that it is over. It's not over till the fat lady sings. Like every good story. And Kyle Schwarber isn't singing It has yet. its end. No. And the Reese Hoskins story in Philadelphia No, is the end can't be a... Spring training ground ball. That can't be the end. Well, guess what it is. Uh, you've had a year to accept it. I have I mean, not I mean, yet accepted it. Mitch, the writing was on the wall as soon as Bryce Harper moved to first base. I don't care. I mean, you know, I mean, the might as well wrote in the clubhouse, goodbye Reese Hoskins. Have fun playing in somewhere else. I know. I don't want to talk about it. So Brewers. I don't, I don't know why we're surprised here. Could win a lot of games. They but could. they could also lose a lot of games. I agree. 86... And 72. Okay. I have 76 and 86. A little bit closer of a gap. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the NOS. Let's start with none other than the Los Angeles Dodgers. Boo! Um, key offseason moves. If you're unaware, <laughs> if you have been living under a rock for the past couple of months. These are insane. Shohei Otani and Yoshinobu Yamamoto have teamed up together, the Japanese stars, uh, in L.A., as Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, you think they're done there? No, not even close. They got Tyler Glass now from the race to Why? further bolster the starting rotation. Also, added Manuel Margot as an outfielder from the Tampa Bay Rays. 
signed Teoscar Hernandez to be Why? an outfielder slash designated so hitter. So stupid. And James Paxton for depth in the starting rotation as well. They have spent absurd amounts of money. Absurd amounts of money this offseason. It is unbelievable. My floor for the Dodgers is 95 wins. Their ceiling is at 110 for me. Oh. All right. Well, Shohei Otani isn't pitching this year. I don't care. It doesn't matter. This roster is insane. Find me a hole, please. I really can't do that. 93 for the floor. Sometimes things aren't as they seem. And 100 and. 10 for the ceiling. Hey, it's not going to be good. So, this is not fun. The playoffs will go through LA this year. Yeah, but they did this year too. Here's this lineup. And they get Gavin Lux back, who they didn't oh, have all of last year. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Like, here's this lineup 1 through 9. Oh boy. Mookie Betts. Yep. Freddie Freeman. Ooh. Shohei Otani. Wow. Will Smith, uh-huh. Max Muncy, and James Outman, wow. Teoscar Hernandez hitting uh-huh. seventh, seventh, Jason Hayward, and Gavin Lux. Like, that's insanity. Their bench is Austin Barnes, who's been a long-time catcher for them, Miguel Rojas, Chris Taylor, and Mamo Margot. Miguel Chris Taylor, Rojas is still in the league? Yeah. Wow. So those are Dude, three guys this who is could the start. exact opposite of teams we've been talking about. That, like, stopped adding and just have been dormant. This is what you're looking for out of ownership. This is what you're looking for. Read the rotation. Um, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Tyler Glasnow, Bobby Miller, James Paxton, and Emmett Sheehan. Yeah, so it was pitching that held him back last year. And uh, Oh, and uh, Walker Buehler's, I think, going to be coming back at some point oh this year as well. Goodness. So, By the way, yeah. how were Walker Buehler and Matt Vierling involved in the same ad campaign? Do you remember those commercials? Oh, the God. one commercial was I'm oh, Walker yeah. Bueller, and I gotta paint the edge with my fastball, whatever. And then it's Matt Veerling. Was it the car? Was it, it was a car, car commercial. Yeah, it was a dealer. I think it was Toyota. Oh no, it was a car insurance company. I think because Pete Alonso was in it as well. Was he? <laughs> I have to look that up. Uh, How did what agent got Matt Veerling that deal? <laughs> Matty V, man. He's got pull. <laughs> Anyways, let's take it to the Young kids Diamondbacks. aspire to be him. Um, Diamondbacks. Yeah, let's do it. Real quick, though. Forgot to mention for Milwaukee, they did lose Craig Council to the rival Cubs. Oh. Their manager. So that is a huge one. That's okay. So They'll be all right. Everything's going to be all right. All right. Um, let's talk about these Diamondbacks, and everything is going to be all right for them. Kiosk yeah. moves. Oh Eugenio Suarez coming to town in a trade from the Mariners. They signed starting pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez to make their starting rotation absolutely filthy. Uh, with the top three of Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly, and now Eduardo Rodriguez. And Brandon Fott gets the luxury of sliding to the fourth starting pitching role on this team. And he was a postseason. I don't want to Godson. talk about it. I do not want to talk about it. Game three. Chrissy, I don't like this. Game three and seven stud. No. So. No. Um. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. re-signs on a three-year deal, and they added Jock Peterson. Great veteran moves for the starting lineup to surround this young talent. Um, starting rotation got a bow on it, and they didn't need to touch the bullpen after last year um, at all. I mean, the back end was insane with Kevin Ginkle and Paul Seawald. The D-backs are firing up, ready to go to contend uh, next year. Starting lineup 
uh, tentatively heading into spring training is really good. Yeah. Man. Corbin Carroll, Cattell Marte, Christian Walker, Jock Peterson, Gabriel Moreno, their young star catcher, Eugenio Suarez at third, Alec Thomas, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I, and dude, Alec Thomas can Geraldo just Perdomo. cease to exist for all I care. Can't stand Alec Thomas. Alec Thomas, are you kidding me? So, yeah. Um, ceiling of ninety-five. I have their I have their floor at eighty, and the ceiling at ninety-three. Floor of eighty-three. So, I don't really see the floor. I feel like I should make this floor a lot closer. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. Floor of eighty-two. I'm going to make that last second pivot change. Okay. I, I think this roster's too talented. There's no way they're finishing under 500. No. 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 Okay. Glad we're on the same page. All right. Let's move on to the San Diego Padres. Key offseason moves to the them. Padres. Adding Did they actually climb to third? Yeah, they finished third last year. Wow. I mean, the Giants and the Rockies are just... The no, I thought the Giants the, the Giants were contending for playoff position. And they completely free fell That's down funny. the stretch. I didn't know they fell that far. Oh, yeah. They crumbled, dude. Wow. They absolutely crumbled. So. Gotcha. They finished four games under 500. The Padres at least finished 82 and 80. Oh, okay. So. The Padres coming off one of the biggest embarrassments. So. They, fi- they finished two games out of the playoffs, did San Diego. Yeah, but it wasn't, like, actually close. No. they. I mean, they were out. They just won down the stretch to make it look closer. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about San Diego. Key offseason moves, right-handed pitcher or relief pitcher Michael King from the Juan Soto trade with the Yankees. That's a big departure. You know, casually losing one of the best young hitters in the game. You're obviously going to take a step back in my mind. Um, Drew Thorpe could be a nice pitching piece moving forward. That was time relief pitcher Wu Suk Go from the KBO. Career 3.18 ERA for him there. Uh, and relief pitcher Wandy Peralta were the key moves for the Padres this offseason. I have their floor at a 77. I think this lineup's too talented to see them free fall more than a five wins from a year ago. And I think their ceiling, if everything goes right, I have them sitting at 87. Uh, yeah, I got 77 and 86. So, right around the same I don't think there could be enough improvement. No. I think they're going to miss the playoffs again. So. All right. I agree. Let's move on to the fourth place, San Francisco Giants. Key moves in the offseason, starting pitcher Robbie Ray, who's coming off Tommy John surgery. Nice job with the bullpen, adding relief pitcher Jordan Hicks. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Those are the two main moves the Giants yeah, made. I don't love it in the offseason. I think it's a floor of seventy four wins. Give me seventy two, and I have their ceiling at eighty two, just slightly above five hundred. I like the eighty two number. I'll go eighty three though. So the Giants find ways to just keep winning games. A lot. And they added Bob Melvin as their manager. The guy just does much not better have than Gabe Kapler. Teams. So yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Any any tidbits on the Giants? Are we good there? Um, no, I think uh, I think the Giants are pretty clear cut. Let's go to the Rockies. All right. Last, but certainly not least, the Colorado Rockies here they're, in the NL. They're West. pretty certainly least, actually. Yeah, they're pretty much certified going to get last in this division <laughs> yet again. Um, key offseason moves added starting pitcher Cal Quantrill in a trade from the Guardians. Also added Dakota Hudson in the starting rotation. And catcher Jacob Stallings to fill in as a kind of platoon along with, I believe, Elias Diaz there. Stallings was from, uh, where was he playing? Miami. Miami, okay. Miami. Miami. So, um, sneaky, sneaky, decent lineup here for the Rockies. I mean, there's some good pieces in here. Charlie Blackman's still pretty good. Can't stand him. Uh, Ezekiel Tovar was is a nice shortstop piece for them. Nolan Jones burst onto the scene last year, was a... Uh, Early second round draft pick with with Cleveland, they they uh, moved on from him, uh, and and then um, 
he really, really did a nice job breaking out in the outfield for Colorado last year. Of course, you still have Chris Bryant here, Ryan McMahon, and Brendan Rodgers, and eh, they're they're okay. Brendan Doyle, very nice uh, defensive center fielder, and Elias Diaz is eh, he's serviceable catcher. So not a bad lineup. Um, starting pitching is uh, it's still not good. Yeah, still not good. Kyle Freeland, Cal Quantrill. Austin Gomber, Ryan Feltner, and Dakota Hudson rounds out their starting five. I don't like the name Gomber. And, and the bullpen is... Is it there? Does it exist? It exists. It's probably going to be one of the worst in baseball, though. So, yeah. It's going to be a rocky season. Like it has been for a long time. substantial amount of time in, in Colorado. So. Yeah. Do you know, uh, one of the most vivid memories I ever have is a... Uh, I think it was an 11th or 12th inning... Uh, three to two game, Phillies over the Rockies in Coors Field. Two outs, two strikes, runner on first. Charlie Blackman home run. Really? Oh yeah, I remember laying in bed listening to that game on the radio. Oh, oh, I forgot for the Giants. They made a move I forgot about. They, they got Jung Ho Lee. Oh yeah, uh, from the KBO. I forgot about that. He's wow. going to be their new starting center fielder. Uh, I believe it was a six year contract. For for Mr. Lee, it was. Yep, I remember. So yeah, six years, one hundred thirteen million. I can't believe I forgot about that. Yeah, it's a needle mover. We'll see what he's all about. So I, I'm it, not it changing you, my opinion. Makes you feel better about that eighty two ceiling, to be honest. What did I have? Eighty three. Yeah, yeah, same. But the Rockies. Yeah, back to the Rockies. Sixty seven. I have a what? Is that your ceiling? What floor? Floor. So I have my floor at sixty four. They yeah. were a 59-win team from a year ago. I'm dropping. I'm dropping so, 65. Yeah. They, they were and a, even that feels a little high. They were a 59-win team from a year ago. I think they're going to be a little bit better than that. A little I, bit, yeah. So 64 feels right for the for the, for the the floor. I don't Absolute know. I ceiling? Honestly, I feel like the NL as a whole, and especially the NL West, got better. The more I think about it, the more you're I playing less divisional dropping. games. Yeah. It's only 13 per. I know, and it was last year, though. But and the, well, the unique situation about Colorado is they just win at home, right? Eh. And, and that just gives them inflates the wins every year. Floor, give me fifty nine. Really? You, well, I'm trying to think of if everything goes wrong. Yeah, fifty nine. Ceiling, seventy. I have ceiling at seventy one. Okay. So, I don't. I just don't see a lot of leeway between like, like I don't see a, a large gap between the if everything goes wrong and everything goes right because I just don't feel like there's a big. I feel difference like if there. some of their young guys take steps forward, even even further yeah. than last year, if if they're if they find the pitching is, in the bullpen, I have a lot. I have confidence in the lineup to to be somewhat productive. It's just the, the pitching. I don't see a, a big difference between it going wrong and going right because I just don't think these guys are all that great. We'll see. So we shall see. Floor at sixty four, ceiling at seventy one. That's what I got. All right. All right. Well, that is going to take us to our final break of the show. When we come back, uh, mixture of topics. Uh, we'll tie up some loose ends. And uh, we'll get into some other topics of discussion. You won't want to miss it. I promise. So don't go anywhere. Heavy Hitters wraps up right after this. Oh, yeah. We're still going strong here. Radio Voice of Kutztown University. KUR Heavy Hitters (laughs) into its final segment of our number two. It's second and final hour. And my third and final hour. Oh, boy. I'm getting ready for these Monday marathons here. Yeah. I love talking sports, though. So they say if you love what you do, you'd have a work a day in your life. Also, if you get paid, uh, that helps. But we are a nonprofit. We're a club. So. 
<laughs> we're a club. We are a club. That's, that's a fact. We are indeed. This is not a job. I wish it was. I love it here, man. I want to work in an environment like this. Love, love KUR. So. KUR. <laughs> Whoa, take it easy there, hot shot. Let's move on. Do we want to talk any more MLB before we get into college hoops? Um, Do we want to? Do you want to go through division winners? Sure. Yeah, we can do that real quick. Okay. I mean, it, I think it's pretty clear cut. Let's talk three. about who has the ability to win. Like, do right, you so think yeah, the Diamondbacks? Let, let, do you let, think the Diamondbacks could win the West? Let's do tier. No, absolutely not. Why? Because the Dodgers. Why? Because the Dodgers are, I think, a thirteen-win team better, thirteen or more wins better than the. Dodgers. But you had your floor for the Dodgers lower than your ceiling for the Diamondbacks. No, I had the Dodgers floor at ninety-five, the D-backs ceiling at ninety-three. Oh, I thought you had it reversed. Never mind. Okay. I think there's a slim chance the Diamondbacks win the division. I mean, look, out of probability sake, yes, there's always a chance. But, like, realistically, no. no. Okay. Um, what about I, I, the so, Central? So, I want to tier these teams. I think this is kind of fun. Let's do some quick, like, tiers. Like, a tier in the West. Like, top contenders. Like, World Series contender. Okay. Potential division contenders. Um, wild card. And then out of it. In the West, I think Dodgers, World Series contender. Um, Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks, World Series contender. World, I'd say yeah, Diamondbacks, World Series contender. I mean, they made it there last year. That's what I'm saying, dude. But just because you're a World Series contender doesn't mean you're going to win. Doesn't mean you're going to win. You could be a World Series contender from the wild card position, exactly. like like multiple teams have been in the last two years. Yeah, exactly. Three years. I think that's where the D-backs Braves. are. Yeah. So, okay. Rangers were a wild card. Yeah. Rangers, Braves, uh, Diamondbacks, Phillies. So, exactly, man. That's just the way it's been going. Yeah. Um. Padres wild card contender, yes. Giants mediocre, and the Rockies are dreadful. Yeah. Uh, Giants so, will be a wild card contender, and then they'll fall. Yeah, like like fringe wild card contender. I think yes. that's a great assessment of that. Yes. Um, let's go to the Central here, and I think a lot of these teams are clumped into the into the same category. Division here. division contestant. Division contenders. I I'd got say, Brewers, Cubs, Reds, and fringe Cardinals. I'd say, yeah, Brewers, Reds, Cubs. I think all three of those are division contenders here. I think Cardinals are a wild card contender. Yeah. And I think the Pirates are, are out. They're yeah. they're mediocre. Especially considering you have these four teams bunched up ahead of them. I think they're out. So clearly out. I East. Would, I would not be surprised though if Pittsburgh could finish fourth again. Like it wouldn't surprise you if someone flopped. Yeah, if someone falls, if someone, sure. If someone flopped. But the likelihood of all of them flopping? No, no, no yeah. It's not there. I'm not saying the Pirates are going to contend for the division at sure, all. Sure. I'm just saying like would it surprise me if something like last year happened again where somebody flopped? No, that's just, fine. They that's finished fine. last and the Pirates finish above them? No, it wouldn't, wouldn't sure. stun me. Um East. East. How do you view this division? Braves World Series contender. Correct. Phillies. You could say it. Division contender. Oh, you're wrong. Division contender, and this team's going to take... Division contender, bottom rung of the ladder, World Series contender. I'll give you that. World Series contender. So, And division contender, by the way. Squarely... This division's not over. Division contender, uh, bottom rung of the World Series contender ladder. Um, 
Let's see. Mets, wild card contender. I think that's a fair Yeah, fair I think that's assessment. a fair assessment. Marlins, fringe wild card contender. contender. Fringe wild card contender. I see this team taking a step back. They have nowhere near the lineup to make the playoffs. Good for you. Um, and then the Nationals are just there. Out. Not not dreadful like the Rockies, but they're the next mediocre. best thing. Like they're they're I'd say they're below the Pirates in terms of the yes. mediocre level. Like yes. bottom of the mediocre tier. Um, and that's kind of it. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. we moved through that pretty quick. All which fifteen, is, which was our goal. Yeah, so because we got some other time. To- oh, before we get into college hoops, pro hoops, Joel Embiid getting surgery yeah. on his meniscus. Oh boy, that's, a, that's this officially in my mind marks the end of the process era attempt at victory. There's no chance they come back. The NBA. The NBA sucks. Yeah. By the way, thank goodness NHL picks up tomorrow night. The West is going to win the NBA Finals again. Yeah. Yep, always. I mean, dude, if the the comparison between the two conferences is night and day. Night well, day. what about uh what about the Bucks? Nope. No. Okay. Wow. They, Shut that down quickly. They can get through the East, but they're not beating any of the Thunder, T-Wolves, Clips. And the Clippers, Milwaukee Bucks or, or have the, won or the, the NBA championship. I, Doc Rivers winning the NBA Finals? That would be gross. I, I, would, no. I would cry. No, I hate him. No, I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I do not see that happening. The West is a way deeper conference than the East. Whoever gets out of the West is going to be well prepared to face whatever team cakewalks their way through the Eastern Conference because, let's be real here, since Embiid's done for the year, there's no depth contender in the East anymore. Really. No. I nope. mean, it's the Celtics, the Bucks. Yeah, sure, the Cavs have Donovan Mitchell and a combination of other guys. But the Cleveland Cavaliers really threat to get the NBA Finals? No. Are the Knicks really good? Sure, the Knicks are a pretty good team. Jalen Brunson's a nice piece. Um, the Villanova boys, Dante DiVincenzo. Um, why, why am I blanking? Bridges? Hart. Hart. Josh Hart. Oh, okay. So I couldn't think of his first name. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm this well-versed. I'm not even an NBA fan. I, don't, I haven't watched a single NBA game this year. There's no players. Um... Yeah, sure. Knicks are good. Could they get to the finals? Possibly. Would they win it? Absolutely not. Um, compared to those other four teams. I mean, it's, it's the West's finals to lose. It's the West finals to lose. Whatever team would get out of there is going to win. Okay. I think it's clear cut. So I was, just, I was saying six. that the, the Sixers are, are embarrassed. and, and They're done. Yeah. So. Yeah, tough. it's, it's over. a tough pill to swallow, man. It's not really because we've been swallowing them every year. No, but you know, if you get to the playoffs, you at least have some sl- sliver of hope. Yeah. So. Uh, not sure how long he's going to be out for, but we'll see. Just so injury prone, that guy. Tyrese Maxey's the man, though. Uh, that's what I had. NBA, like I said, thank goodness NHL picks up tomorrow night. I would love to say that, but my team just makes well, me want to The Flyers to are annoying, too. They've lost five in a row. But still, like it's at least hockey to watch on my television screen. I haven't had a sport to watch since championship weekend. Yeah, I watch I watch college basketball quite routinely. So. Yeah, I don't. This is when I pick up in it, like late January, and that's when I start doing like like learning about the team. So who do you root for? I'm a Florida State fan. Oh, so okay. I'm not that one of those people up. who's like, well, I like Florida State for football, but I like, you know, okay. I, I like, you know, Kansas for college basketball. Like, that's the biggest bandwagon thing you could ever do. Yeah. I pick a school, I stick with them through every sport. So, literally yeah. every collegiate sport, I root for Florida State. I mean, Kansas fans must be going through it right now, though. I mean, Cowboys lost, the Yankees lost, Alabama lost. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm, I think Duke is more of that category. You know, oh, of those bandwagons? Yeah. yeah. Like, I was just making a joke. Or UNC. Just making a joke. Yeah. Buddy. It's, it's okay. not really Kansas. No, I know. I know. I, I, I like the joke you're trying to make, but I don't think Kansas is that team for that. 
I think you are the guy to read a KUR notebook. I am. I am that guy. Um, you're not that guy, pal. No, I actually am that guy. Um, attention, KU students. Have you heard about KU Bears grant funding? The purpose of the KU Bears program is, is to support faculty student research pairs over the summer. The goals are for undergraduate students to develop the necessary skill set to become student researchers and to provide faculty members with paid student research assistance. Undergraduate students selected for the program will receive summer pay for research tasks assigned by a faculty supervisor. By assisting faculty members in their research, students selected for the program will obtain the knowledge and skills necessary for conducting advanced research in their field. To apply and learn more about KU Bears grant funding, please visit www.kutztown.edu forward slash UGRC and look under grants and sponsored projects. This message of community interest brought to you by Radio Voice of Kutztown University, KUR. All right, rounding out the show, final about eight or so minutes. I want to spend it talking some college basketball. Have I ever said I'm an idiot? I just, I was like curious as to why, like, not that I'm this like vain, but uh, I was like, why have I not gotten any notifications since I've been on air? Totally forgot I put my phone on do not disturb. <laughs> and then there they are. I missed texts from so many people. <laughs> just didn't in. respond to them. So. Oh, L. My bad. My bad. You are good. <laughs> Anyways, talk some college hoops. I feel so dumb. I feel so dumb. Not the first time that's happened that I feel dumb. All right, well, let's talk about this past weekend. Um, Four top ten matchups happened this past weekend. I'm going to talk about all of them. First of all, before I do, number one, UConn continues to rock and roll. Their tenth straight win. They take down St. John's 77-64 at Madison Square Garden, and they did it without one of their stars, Alex Caravan, did not play in this game. UConn had plenty of firepower led by Rutgers transfer guard Cam Spencer, who put up 23 points. Dan Hurley has got these Huskies rolling yet again and uh, could very well have their sights set on a second straight national title. Uh, would be the first team to go back-to-back since I believe Florida did uh, in 07-08 um, under Billy Donovan's guidance. I believe that's his name, the former Thunder coach. Um all right, let me get to these top 10 matchups, though. Um, first, had Duke and North Carolina, one of college basketball's prime rivalries, probably the best rivalry in the sport. The Heels take down the Blue Devils at Chapel Hill, 93-84. Fantastic game from Armando Baycott, 25 points, 10 rebounds for the star forward for North Carolina. Harrison Ingram had a fantastic game as well. The Stanford transfer is a name to keep your eye out on. As we head closer and closer to March Madness, if North Carolina is going to go on a deep run, it's going to be through these two guys, uh, as well as R.J. Davis uh, in the in the backcourt. Elliot Cadeau is another name to know in terms of guard play for UNC. I know I gave you like four names to know, but that is how good and deep this North Carolina team is. Mitchie, what's on your mind, buddy? We have breaking news. Breaking news. Almost missed it because my phone was on Do Not Disturb. The Phillies have made a roster move, everybody. Uh, they have claimed infielder Diego Castillo from the Yankees off waivers. Uh, he's an infielder. Breaking news. Just thought I'd add that. So they basically got Edmundo Sosa 2.0. So sorry right. to interrupt. No, there you go. Yeah, had to get that <laughs> off your chest, <laughs> dude. This is so pathetic. It, that's what you're having to get excited about. <laughs> this is pathetic. I'm about to do a deep dive on this guy. All right, uh, Houston and Kansas, number four, number eight at Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, Kansas wins this one 78-65. Hunter Dickinson, 20 points, eight rebounds. The Michigan transfer 
the premier part of this Jayhawk team. The Baylor transfer guard, LJ Cryer to Houston, led the way for the Cougars with 24 in the loss. Big-time home win for the Jayhawks in conference play. I mean, they were dominant. Shot 68% from the floor as a team, 46% from three, uh, and the free throw is not great. Uh, but John L. Furphy, or Johnny Furphy, excuse me, big-time game for him, the freshman from Melbourne. I mean, that is... He's going to be, if Kansas wants to go on a run, they need their depth guys to step up, and especially the guard play. Uh, there's no doubt about the star power of Hunter Dickinson, but these guards need to establish themselves if these Jayhawks want to go on a run in March. The Cougars will be fine. Uh, they just weren't able to get those those offensive rebounds to generate the second chances. Uh, that was a problem for them. Jayhawks had a great plan. They executed it to perfection inside Allen Fieldhouse. Fieldhouse got a big-time win. Team was kind of in a little bit of a slide, the Kentucky Wildcats. Fifth-ranked Tennessee Volunteers traveled inside Rupp Arena to take on the 10th-ranked Wildcats. Tennessee gets out of there with a 103-92 win. What a game for Zakai Ziegler. 26 points, 13 assists, and 3 steals for the guard for Tennessee. Rob Dillingham off the bench for the Wildcats led the way for them with 35. Man, this Tennessee group... Different from years past. Uh, this is not just a straight-up defensive team anymore. This team can score with the best of them. Dalton Connect, one of the best transfers in the country. That is a name you should be aware of. Um, is it Jamal I do? Jonas I do. Uh, in the front court for them as well. Uh, they have Santiago Vescovi back, one of their experienced guards. This is a team who could very well go on a run in March. The Volunteers are a team to have on your radar. Right now, along that two-seed line um, in the latest Bracketology reports, um, other, you know, notable top teams: Cam Kolick, Tyler, or Cam Jones, Tyler Kolick, and the Marquette Golden Eagles get a big time win over Georgetown in terms of score. Georgetown's not really that good this year, uh, but nice win for Marquette. Baylor holds on at the buzzer against Iowa State in another Big Twelve showdown. Thought the Cyclones made a buzzer beater, but got it off after time expired. Did not count. Seventy to sixty-eight. The Bears get a win. There. Now I'm going to take a look through some bracketology real quick. Final couple minutes. Give you the teams along the top four seed line. Purdue, UConn. Actually, I don't like the one I have on my laptop. I'm going to go on my phone because uh, I have one also pulled up there as well. Uh, Purdue, UConn, Houston, and North Carolina on that one seed line. I expect it to predominantly stay that way. I don't see a lot of changes happening on the two seed line or from that one seed line. Teams jumping up. Uh, it's just not as deep this year in terms of teams who could get to that one line. I think there's a pretty clear-cut differentiation between those those two seed lines. Two seeds, Kansas, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Tennessee. Again, I already uh, gave some high praise to the Volunteers. Arizona, they're good, but they're very fast-paced. Uh, they play with fire come the tourney. It, it's tough to go far when you play um, too much, you know, with too much pace being fast, too fast paced, say, or you play a little too slow, a team like Houston. Uh, it is, I wouldn't say rare, but it is it is tough to go deep in March Madness when you play uh, heavily one way or another in terms of pace. Um, Wisconsin, they played Purdue tough to the buzzer um, on Sunday. Just couldn't get out of there with a win at home at the Kohl Center. That was another top 10 showdown. Uh, Zach Eady and the Boilermakers get another Top 10 win, 5-0 and against AP Top 10 teams this year as Purdue. That is quite impressive. Uh, but unfortunately, that is going to be Just about going to do it. Yeah. So, Good stuff with the uh, with the college hoops. Thank you. Come Friday, 2 o'clock, be there. We'll be talking all things Super Bowl 58. Uh, hopefully we'll have some more 
you know, breaking news in, in baseball or somewhere else to talk about. I'm sure we'll talk some a little bit of NHL, but a predominantly Super Bowl-focused show. But, uh, yeah, we covered a lot in this show, yeah, MLB, NFL uh, happenings, and uh, like you said, college hoops heating up dramatically. But for now, he's Jack Heim. And I'm Mitchell Smedley. This has been Heavy Hitters, and this thank will be you. Heavy Hitters. Yes, thank, thank you, you for, for tuning listening. in. And we'll tune be back in on Friday. Again. Friday at 2, right here, same time, or different time, same place on KUR. <laughs>